0: I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art his career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York. I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, You might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous podcast. William Flint is an artist and editorial cartoonist in DFW, a.k.a. Bubba, tells us how he took his natural talent and turned his cartoon flair into a career. He has a vast clientele here in Dallas, from local publications like the Dallas Morning News, White Rock Lake Weekly, and the Katy Trail Weekly, to the Dallas Cowboys and even the band Old 97s, and so much more in between I can't even list it all. William does many art shows a year, and you can even hit him up for a custom portrait for much less than you'd imagine. I hope you enjoy my chat with artist William Bubba Flint.
1: Uh, I I brought nothing. You don't need anything. Okay.
0: Just need you. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are today with Mr. William Flint, Bubba Flint. Let's start with where's Bubba come from?
1: Uh, You know, I I was born and raised in Mesquite. And I think everybody out there at one time or another is called Bubba. (laughs) And I did not like that, but it kind of stuck. Um, I went to SMU, which no one there ever knew the word Bubba. So I did not take that with me there. So coming out and trying to be... A, a so-called professional i thought well that'll go away that bubble go away and i i can't shake it it's a dog that <laughs> follows me around everywhere right well
0: so, i mean you know it, yeah it's yeah. a different meaning probably now than it, well
1: you know and some people will say well what do i call you and and i've been called a lot of bad things but <laughs> bubba is not the worst so <laughs> right anything you know that's, and i just kind of like flint because it's kind of short and sweet and yeah so, yeah anyway, i mean yeah it's funny
0: every time i see you do a flintstone i'm like there's like absolutely some connection there yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) so you start you so you started in mesquite um you grew up there completely?
1: yeah i did i was i actually i was born in in dallas at baylor hospital but yeah Yeah. i grew up in mesquite um i actually still live there i can't break away from there Mm. um yeah grew up in mesquite uh just started drawing probably at age three or four wow um, and, I, you know, it's just something I love doing. I didn't know that everybody couldn't do it. So huh. I would draw at home. I had an older sister that was in school, but I would just draw at home. So when I finally went to school in first grade, I'm just up there just drawing away, you know. And then all of a sudden I look over and that that's not so good.
0: Huh. And
1: I look over and that's not so good. And, and, and so it, it is at that point I realized, oh, I, I can do something other people can't do. That early. And, yeah. But wow. I just
0: loved it. I loved so it. when you were drawing back then, like you're drawing like just like normal kid stuff.
1: Uh, pretty much same stuff I'm doing now. No, <laughs> I, I do the. <laughs> I would draw. I would see the. I love cartoons back then. Right. And I would draw cartoons, and and then I would just try to draw my own goofy characters. So yeah, it was it was a lot of cartoons back then. So
0: that's kind of how it, it. It's always been cartoons. It's always part of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. That
1: makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, did you ever do any other kind of art back then?
1: No. Um. I, you know, I, I was drawing, and then I guess around high school, you start getting kind of a formal. I had a wonderful art teacher at Mesquite High that actually was was with me since junior high and moved up to high school as I moved up, and she really kind of pushed me to do other things. Um, I would do, back then, I'd paint KISS portraits and stuff like that <laughs> right. for, for contests, and she would always say, there's no way this is going to win. And, and actually, a KISS portrait did win the state art contest, wow. so she kind of like, okay, continue on but you know I, I pushed the boundaries did clay did all that kind of stuff but it, I always came back to the stuff that, that you know I had a passion for which so, were
0: which was the cartoons you were the cartoons and, and, the, the, like and you the portraits were saying, yeah, so for, when you're so you're in high school like at this point you're like I'm doing this in college like this is a career mm-hmm. at what point did well, that happen
1: kind of what happened is you know when you start thinking about careers in high school because up to then you didn't think about that you just did stuff um, I realized that there's this thing called editorial cartoons And so I started noticing in the local papers, um, Bob Taylor from the Dallas Times Herald was great. And so I started looking at that. And I kind of like politics. I kind of, I've always had a sense of humor. So politics, and sense of humor. So I actually drew, our our school had a newspaper, the MHS Monitor. And so I did editor cartoons for that. And from there, I started doing editor cartoons for the local city paper, the Mesquite News, because the editor there through, because I was playing sports, he knew me. Knew I was an artist also said, "Well, why don't you draw some for the paper?" So that's kind of how I got going in the editorial cartoons, and I saw, "Hey, this is a way to maybe make a living." So I really kind of pushed that, and and really, the painting stuff I still love doing, but I was looking for a career. Sure, so, yeah, that's that's where that really came into focus.
0: So, so you're doing, I mean, you're doing painting. I mean, you were doing portraits back then too, like like trying to get yeah. realistic kind of stuff as well.
1: Yeah, you know, that's what's funny. Um, I I would tried to do a portrait we'd do self-portraits and we'd do paintings of our people and pencil sketches and myself always had a a cartoon flair to it i didn't intend on that Uh and even you know later on i had the opportunity to go to smu on an art degree and even i would go there And, you know, oh, Lord, you didn't do anything lowbrow or cartoonish there. It was all, you know, you paint nude models and all that. And and even my stuff would come out with a little bit of a cartoon flair. I even did an abstract painting. And even my instructor, which I had some great instructors there, Said, I don't know how you can do an abstract painting and it still looks like a cartoon abstract painting. I said, I don't know. I don't mean to that's do this; it crazy. just happens. Yeah.
0: Well, now all I'm thinking of is I want to see a new Bert <laughs> Flint model shot. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so at this point, you're in, you're at SMU. You've got a scholarship. You you must realize like this is where it's going to be happening.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, the the key thing, and I had a lot of professors that they they were making a living somewhat at art but not. And that's why they were professors, but they would always say, you know, make a living doing what you need to with art. Just don't compromise your integrity. Right. And it, that didn't mean a lot at, at first. And then later on, you start going, well, I understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always had kind of a job. I taught art for 10 years um, just so I could get my daughter through college and, and do those kind of things with insurance. And then sure. finally my art on the side became bigger than what I was doing. And I mean, it was taking up all my time that I could become a full-time artist, right and, you okay know. so
0: you didn't start just doing no yeah. no
1: I yeah my first job um was actually working for a sign company designing logos and, and doing color renderings and I, I worked there under some great artists that taught me a lot of great things and so I kind of was doing that and I was doing that I was doing the editorial cartoons on the side I was drawing for like four and five papers um so then that just evolved and then evolved and it was later I got to go to college to to SMU apply, get a scholarship, go there, and uh, get a degree from there, and then kind of I started teaching art for a little while. Uh, once again, to get my daughter through her college, and and it just kind of after a time, the art on the side became more than what I was doing at a job, mm-hmm. and so I was cheating both. You know, I wasn't probably the best employee because I spent so much time late in the evening on this, and I wasn't the best artist over here because I had this job. So I was finally just you said, OK, I'm going to dive in and just be an artist. Yeah. And, and I haven't regretted it since.
0: That's great. I mean, that's something that all artists face. I mean, oh, I remember the, the moment where I'm like, you know, at a show till like 11 and then I have right. a 7 a.m. job. Absolutely. And so but I think it's important for people to know, like hear about like how, you know, absolutely. this is how an artist does it sometimes. It's, absolutely. It's well, rare. You
1: know, it's funny you say that. There was times um, that I would literally come home from work and I would work till the next morning and had to be at work because oh. I just had so much, so Jeez. many deadlines and stuff. So I wouldn't get sleep. Uh, but, you know, you, that's what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, we,
0: it, I mean, I mean the whole old attitude, we, we didn't choose us, it chose us. Right. But it's true, right. you know. Absolutely. And it's like, I mean, I'm not happy if I'm not doing the stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah that's funny. Now I get up at 530 every morning and start working and, and people look at me like, why would you do that? Because I'm so excited to mm-hmm. be able to go in there and do that that I don't mind. You know, I sometimes, I, I look at the clock, it's 430, oh crap, I got another hour, I got to wait before I get I, up. I'm
0: the same with editing you know. photos, exactly. is that from great, the show. Yeah, but I'm also like, getting to the point where like, well I can't edit the same night, because then I'm not like, giving it the right, <laughs> yeah. you know, same a, here. attention.
1: Well, well that's my, right now, my wife will say, look, Quit working on the weekend. You, you can't work and you can't get up and you need a break. And I do because my mind yeah. starts getting scrambled after a while, but yeah, yeah, I need to walk away for a little
0: bit. Yeah. But that yeah. That's, that's another thing you right. kind of learn is like, okay, now I've been spending how many years like trying to get as much work as I can. Right. Now I need to find the pauses. That's been hard for me Absolutely, too. Absolutely, Yeah. You know? But it's good to have a, girlfriend or wife or someone to help you right keep you on the narrow path important speaking of which I just want to throw the side question in my my girlfriend Amy wanted to know what kind of acrylics are you using
1: uh you know I that's a great question because what I've done is from all different kinds of acrylics acrylics have come a long way I mean I used to paint with oils which would take you know eight years to to dry (laughs) and acrylics have become so good and vibrant but I've noticed in different acrylics, there are certain colors that are better than other colors. So I have kind of a combination of Windsor Newton blue and and this brown and this. So it's kind of a, a collage. And there's actually some of that cheap dollar twenty five acrylic paint you get at Hobby Lobby that the color more vibrant than a twenty dollar tube. Huh. So it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. So There's
0: not like one magic answer. No, really? there's
1: not really one. Um. There's not really one brand that has all the good colors. Some brands have more good colors. And I've kind of learned the more expensive it is, sometimes they're not that good. You know, they and you know, I kind of pride myself on bright colors and really make it pop, but a lot of that's mixing colors with other colors that you just can't go and buy. Right. And and so in answering her question, I, I can't answer it so much. It's just a collage of everything. I just there's this one green that i can only get through a dollar 25 tube mm-hmm. but then the the black if you get a cheap it's not trend you know it's translucent and so yeah it's a little bit of everywhere
0: that's that's interesting too i mean that's a medium i'm totally foreign to and it's cool because like in a way that's maybe better because if you're making your own colors yeah. no one in the world is going to be able to replicate Absolutely. your look so
1: well here's the good news bad news on that uh-huh. yeah it, it, you're right the bad news is when you do this painting that that somebody loves buys and then two other people go, Oh, I want that painting. And <laughs> you go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> now I can't kind of kinda of remember. And my palette, I used to have a big palette where I'd mix my colors and everything. Well, now I've just gone with paper plates because I do so much mixing and uh-huh. I just throw it away after I'm through. Oh, and then you can't get it. And back. then I'm like, I forget what I, I even did. So uh, yeah. even though I try to re do a uh, replicate a color, sometimes it's just not so much. Right. But you know, that's that's the, the beauty of it, I guess.
0: There's another random question. I just kind of became aware how some people see colors differently right are you do you consider yourself someone that sees extra color or you just kind of feel like you're just normal vision or
1: i well i think with me i see the painting kind of before it happens Mm. and i kind of have in my mind these colors that i think it should be and and until i hit that color i'm really not happy because any painting it's kind of like a relationship. It starts out sometimes rough, and not really you're not liking it, and then all of a sudden you do, and then sometimes at the very end it all comes together, and sometimes it falls apart, and you bring it back. <laughs> so even with colors, you're like, ah, that color, I probably shouldn't have used it, but you make something else, you know. And I kind of have a way, uh, I, when I finish it up, I come back with a black that kind of highlights everything, and that's part of the cartooning and editorial cartoonist that I would do. Uh-huh comes about, you know, I, I would hammered a lot in college saying, Oh, you don't need the black outline, you know, let it be, you know, and all that, which is fine. That is true. But for me, my signature is kind of those black mm-hmm. you know, details that I, I love like, putting in there. I like that edge. That's, yeah. I, I like that yeah. too,
0: especially with the photos. Um, I, I have a couple of directions I want to go, but I feel like we're in this place already. It's like, so a lot of your work now, like I've got three pieces of yours, right? One of well, them. Thank is you this, for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably not the last three. Um, and, uh, uh the, there's you you basically what do you go to secondhand shops and get yeah. these unique frames or? yeah
1: i i go to thrift stores um every month first monday in canton has a big you know thrift swap and, and you know we look forward to going down there just finding frames but anytime i'm out and i'm at an antique store or we see a garage sale you know anywhere i'll get a frame. Here. i've actually literally got it out of the trash we'll be driving by and somebody's moving or something they'll have a stack of frames and i go over there and cherry pick them and get them out yeah that's
0: cool and then okay so and then a lot of your subjects well you have a couple of different themes like there's a lot of tiki stuff right there's a lot of well a lot of like famous cartoons or, or right. maybe even pop culture figures. like how does that all you know come about
1: uh, well you know a lot of it what's happened lately is is kind of I don't know. I love Tiki. I love the Tiki culture. I love the, the rat rod culture, if you will. Any of that lowbrow, I just love that. And so it, it kind of, unfortunately, lately, I haven't been able to paint whatever I want to. I've had to paint kind of what a show's coming up or or this or that. I'm, I'm going to be in a show in March. It's a pinball show. It's the biggest pinball festival in the country, and it happens every year in Frisco. And so I have a booth there. But Fortunately, all the pinball machines are like Elvira, the Flintstones, you know, Uh. Scooby-Doo, all these type things that that I enjoy. So I just do the paintings I enjoy of those kind and people with game rooms come and buy them. But anyway, Mm. I kind of pick those subjects. And so I think what decides what I paint is kind of the direction. Every year at Halloween, I'll do like 13 paintings, just do them and, and and people will buy them. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I just post them. They buy them because I love Halloween. And right. But I do old vintage. You know, I've always said that that for me, you know, I I'm too uh, mainstream to be underground, and too underground to be mainstream. So uh, I'm somewhere in there, uh, and that's where my I think my paintings are. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I'll do Wilma Flintstone with maybe a little lower top and a little more endowed than what she really is, <laughs> and that's the fun part of it. And sure. and making I make mashups where you take. The Jetsons will be in bedrock or or vice versa. Flintstone will be, mm. you know, in, in the Jetsons pad. And that's fun, too, because I try to take all these different elements that I enjoy and kind of put them together. OK, so. But yeah. and, and even, you know, and, and somebody might say, well, so what? You're, you're painting the Flintstones. That's already been done. And I would agree with that. But what I try to do is bring my own flair to the Flintstones uh-huh. and kind of, I, I guess, keep them in people's memory. I'll do a Flintstones painting that has my style to it, but it's still you'll you'll see it. But it just kind of adds a twist, maybe a mid-century modern twist to Flintstones and. I don't know, to me, that's even if I wasn't making money to do it, that's what I'd be doing sure. at night anyway. You it, know? It's
0: fun because, I i mean, uh, there was a time where I was at Deep Elm Art Company six nights a week and they'd be changing that art wall oh, yeah. every month and I'd be just like, oh, my God, look what he's done this time. <laughs> it always stands out. I, I i mean, I just love well, you're your You're too style. kind, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, well, you
1: know, and I think, and, and I'll, I'll throw this back at you, I, I don't really un- understand all of the reasons, but I think a big appeal of some of my art is that it, it brings back some childhood memories. You know, it sure. brings back a time when, when we enjoyed things a little simpler. And, and for a younger generation, I think they see that, and they like that nostalgic bit about it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I like to say they're, they're future paintings of the past because there's something you haven't really seen before, but you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it, it would be kind of like a, you hear a band, it reminds you of the Beatles. It's not the Beatles, but that's why you like them, because it reminds you. So maybe, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what your appeal to it is either of my art. Um,
0: well, I mean, I think, well, for example, I would see you did a bunch of Bowie's, who's one of my right. favorites. Oh, yeah. And you did, I forget, different eras. And I was like, where's Screaming <laughs> Lord Byron? That was my, like, I, I mean, I think I did that for Halloween one year. Right. And I messaged you. I was like, you should do that one. And you're like... <clears throat> It Costs this much, which, by the way, it's super reasonable. It's incredible how inexpensive it is to well, get one.
1: It, let me touch on that for a second. And and I've had people say that. You know, I try to keep my art kind of reasonable, and and I always kindly say I'm kind of the the Ramones of the art world. <laughs> I don't want to be the the big prog rock band or or the band that has this massive stage that they they charge two hundred dollars three hundred dollars for a ticket. I want to be this this kind of uh, an alternative band. I don't want to say really punk rock, but but kind of the the Ramones style mm-hmm. that you can come over here and see a good show. It's not going to be polished. It's not going to be great. I mean, my paintings, you still see the pencil lines in it. You know, you still see the, the imperfections, but that I take pride in that the frame you get might have a nick in it or, or a scratch in it, but I'm going to give it to you at a, at a reasonable cost. Cause I want you to enjoy my art and I don't, you know, I don't want to show I've turned down big galleries where, where they say, Oh, we could sell your stuff for, you know, blah, 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 big mm-hmm. money i like, that's not what I'm about. You know, I, I do these. I, I do them because I love them. I do them pretty quick. And I want to keep it affordable. I want, you know, people to be able to take a piece of my art home. And and believe it or not, probably now over half my customers are repeat customers. Oh, I believe it. There's some people that have 10 and 15 <coughs> paintings of mine because they'll see, it. oh, I got to have that. And they know I'm going to be affordable. And I don't want to sell just because I'm affordable. I want to sell because people want some art. They can't afford it. And... That's, you know, it's kind of my, my calling, you know,
0: there. it's great. I have three and yeah. I, find the longer I know you, I'll probably have more. And <laughs> another thing that's cool about that is, you know, because your style is so distinctive, people can go, you know, what I'd love to have is his version of this. Right. And that's, I mean, that's gotta be your bread and butter with that oh, stuff. Absolutely. But it's awesome. You know, um, let me go backwards on my sheet a little bit. We can go anywhere you want to go. <laughs> what uh, What are some of the influences, artists that influenced you? Directly? Oh, great
1: question. Well, obviously the first one would have to be Andy Warhol mm. because he, pop art. I mean, sure. I really love that. I love the whole, the whole his whole, I guess theme. You know, even outside the art. Um, but Andy Warhol, I, I you know, I being at SMU, I learned about all the art movements, all the artists. Um, but so much of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons have as much influence on me as any major artist. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of lowbrow artists out there. Rat Finks, one. Um, you know, Von Dutch, he, he was this painter that did, you know, Hot Rods and stuff. I loved him. But, I, you know, there's really, I, I always say everything kind of influences me. Even the bad art influenced me because it influenced me not to want to do it.
0: you know if i see
1: a piece of art and i go i really don't like that that doesn't appeal that influenced me to not do it so that's an influence to me yeah but yeah probably you know like I say van gogh's i love the way he used color i love the way he was sloppy and and even jackson pollock for that matter he could take um you know one of his splatter paintings but you knew it was his because he had a style with the splatter painting you know with this abstract and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, my influences are all over the place. I, I'm just as much, I can't least really say influences by Jesus as I am by the March brothers, uh-huh, you know, because right. I'm just kind of all over the place. But it's always kind of has this this channeling to a vibe, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of lowbrow alternative vibe. But it's not because I push myself. That's just who I am.
0: Sure. OK, maybe not influence then dallas artists that you know maybe not even maybe like starting back when you first were starting to notice other artists yeah
1: here. well you know i guess it was when i went to dallas museum of art i started seeing all this other art you know roy Lichtenstein is one obviously because he does but comic books had as much to me you know i probably get as much from mad magazine mm-hmm. as i was from anything and and it was later in life when i started realizing there were artists out there um there's been a lot of lowbrow type artists that that have kind of you know hit the big time Um, Basquiat's one you know that's out there so I I don't know I don't know that one you know I I mentioned Bob Taylor earlier he was a cartoonist for the Herald he he was a big influence Jack Davis of Mad Magazine Um, and then when you start seeing uh, paintings by these masters you go oh but those guys had talent Mm -hmm. and you just to try to mimic what they would do in itself would be very difficult you know Michelangelo or a Da Vinci those guys were great but you can still learn things from them so I I think from them I learned a lot of color technique and, and outline and stuff of that nature
0: okay how um this is Dallas Famous podcast so what well, can you tell us about your impression of the Dallas art scene, like how it relates to you? You don't have to give oh, me your broad view, just your Well, view. you
1: know, Dallas art, which I'm so fortunate that I live in Dallas because Dallas is, you know, it's an art town to me. It really is. Um, and even being at SMU, you know, the Meadows Museum over there. But for me growing up, hanging around Deep Ellum, you can't help but to notice, you know, Frank Capanga at Kettle is big influence because you, and I didn't even know him until recently you know last few years i met him great guy we're, we're really good friends i show him the kettle um which having a big event this weekend but seeing his art you know his his murals and, and paintings he did up on the walls and that influenced me as much as anything mm. and so the whole dallas scene we were talking earlier about salim norala and i love him as an artist the old 97s we I mean, have so much art here mm-hmm. that is to me i mean it's just we're very lucky to be here yeah so i mean as far as finding one Dallas artist, I don't know that there's, you know, so much I just see something, and it influenced me. I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll go, and you, I'll see a T-shirt or I'll see a banner, and it, in my mind, you know, it'll stick there. Now we take a picture with our phone, so I have it for, <laughs> for, for all prosperity. Right, right. But, yeah, I, I mean, Dallas is Dallas itself has been an influence on me. I get as much. I have probably sewed. I was asked this not long ago, what's, what's the one painting I've sold the most of and I don't know, because I haven't really kept up, but I would say Big Tex is right at the top. Mm-hmm. And I love Big Tex. I mean, I grew up going to the fair. I saw the stages of Big Tex from this creepy, cool cowboy to, to now, you know, he's politically correct and all sense. <laughs> right. But I still go back to that creepy, old, cool uh, Big Tex. And, man, when I do one, it's gone. People people love that. Yeah. I think that nostalgia part. But probably... And saying Dallas, the, the state fair had as much influence on me as anything. Seeing the sideshows back then, seeing the rides, the the the, the brightness down the midway—I mean, that really influenced me big time. Huh. Yeah, I could
0: see that. That's cool. I could see that in your art when I think about it like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, that's cool.
1: And I've been fortunate. I've got to work with Amber Fletcher with Fletcher Corny Dogs. Done some work for her. Oh, okay. Um, which is, you know, those type those deals are a dream. I got to do some work for Big Boy. The restaurant, you know, I think they're located up in Chicago or something. Had them reach out, and I designed some logos for them—a girl, big boy, and stuff. But I, that big boy was been a big influence oh, wow. on me as a that kid.
0: Cool. I could—that is a perfect marriage for you. Actually. Oh yeah,
1: I would. As a kid, I'd go to those restaurants. I'd just stare at the the little statue. Yeah. I have a little big boy in my studio, and and you know, I keep things in my studio that influence me every day. You know, whether it's goofy, uh, a, a little fur toy or something, you know, that, that kind of stuff just influences me, makes me want to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. What, uh, I mean, do you have any big stuff on the horizon?
1: Uh, yeah, I got that show, um, coming up in in Frisco, the pinball machine, but I have a show coming up in, um, Tulsa at a place called Buck Adams, cosmic curiosity and, and Mary Beth, the, the owner up there, we kind of got to know each other. So I'll do a show there every year. And it's just a little on route 66, which once again, Big influence on me, Uh you know, the uh Blue Well of Catoosa and and all these different things um, on Route 66. So I do a show on Route 66. That'll be coming up um, April 1st, actually, on uh, April Fool's Day. And I I have that. I'm sure there will be a each week or each year Dallas does a Dallas Tiki Week. I'll have a booth there, uh, Jen, over at Swizzle. She puts that on and, and I'm I actually have some art at the swizzle Tiki art. Hmm. So that'll be coming up, but yeah, I always, you know, I mean, it, how many of these a year? I mean, it's just like that you're doing, I try to, I probably do about five shows a year. Okay. And then I, you know, you mentioned a uh, deep Ellum Art company, a revolving show there all the time. I I'm in there about twice a year cause they'll do something for art and then they'll do photography mm-hmm. and then all female artists and, and whatnot. So I'm in there and I'm in the kettle. They'll do a couple of shows. Um, have a wall at the Swizzle. Have a wall at um, Buck Adams of stuff. So I'm just here and there, and a little bit of everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, uh, before we go, one last thing about because part of your editorial cartoons is sports. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Big
1: sports fan. I I am. At, well, here's a little plug. I I've drawn for the Dallas Cowboys nice. since '87. Wow. My first year was Landry's. Last year, the year before, Jerry Jones kind of got that. I was doing editorial cartoons, and, and one of the editors there had seen something, reached out, said, hey, would you do a cartoon for us? yes, yeah, sure. Well, then it turned into a weekly thing, and it was the Dallas Cowboys weekly. And then that that went away a few years ago. Now I just draw for the game day programs, any home game I do. But yeah, you know, that's, there's a side of me a lot of people don't know. I played um, college baseball for a while at Eastfield College, oh, wow. which was a baseball powerhouse. You know, I went to Mesquite, played baseball, and— Eastfield, had had two successful years and, and thought about maybe going the minor league route and just decide no, I want to be an artist. This is where my passion is. So I took that route. Huh. So there's still a sports side of me. And I used to kind of, I don't want to say be ashamed of that, but didn't mention that. And then all of a sudden I realized I started hearing all these rock stars that love baseball oh, or, yeah. or love doing this. And Absolutely. I was like, hey, I'm okay. I can do that. Which, yeah. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, I don't mean to, to ramble on. Not at all. But music is a big influence in my life too. Sure. You know, I love music. Um, when I work, I'm always playing music. I love the music scene, and, and I mentioned earlier, you know, the Sex Pistols, Ramones, they had a big influence on me. I, I saw the Sex Pistols, and I know everybody here in Dallas says they saw the Sex Pistols, but <laughs> but I did get to see them. It kind of changed my life because before then, as a young kid, you, you saw these big, you know, Kiss shows and, and Elton John, and they were big production. Well, then all of a sudden you see these four guys that probably aren't the best musicians, dressed like they're from a thrift store, and uh, you go, wow, that's kind of cool. So then it kind of made me as an artist say, you know what? I don't have to have this big, you know, fancy uh, past masters painting. Yeah. I can do anything huh. and it's going to be okay. And that kind of influenced me a oh, lot. Wow. The like free to chew up. That's yeah. crazy. Okay.
0: Yeah. What yeah. about now? Like what other contemporary music there are you into? Or well, still I,
1: it's funny because now I, I I've always kind of s- seeked out the, the obscure type bands uh, but there's a band called the Tender Sticks that, you know, a lot of people don't know, but they've been around for, for a while. I love the clientele. I love, they're from England. <clears throat> I love the old 97s from around, you know, they I, that you just got to be in a certain mind frame for different times. You know, like I'll play Miles Davis every now and then to get me in, in a certain mind frame. Sure. And I love, you know, the older jazz, but yeah, just music in general. I try to catch as many concerts, you know, I always kid people that back in the day you'd go to the Bronco Bowl every week and you'd see the Clash, the Pretenders, you know, for $10. You just go in there. And wow. The Cure, when they were before they were big. Sure. And and it was really great. So I have a hard time now going to a stadium mm-hmm. to see somebody when I saw them, you know, when they were original band in a little small setting. Oh, I get but, it. Yeah, That's I, why I,
0: the local bands are still probably the, oh, absolutely. the most energy you can get at a yeah. show. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Selene, yeah. like we talk about Selene like, Morales, he he's one of my favorites. I love, you yeah, know? same. Which he's I, he's heavily influenced by a lot of the bands. I like the Jam, mm-hmm. the Beatles. You know, I mean, that's probably why I like him. We we like the same music. Yeah, I mean, he
0: his song is the theme song. Oh yeah, absolutely. Unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, thank you so much for coming well, thank by. Thank you for this having is me. Really I'm fun. I honored know. to be on here. Oh, please. I,
1: I was kidding with some friends, and I get this last plug, in, they said, "So you're doing." Dallas famous? And they go, have they run out of people to do? I like, Obviously they have. So <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: just getting started. No, we're we're yeah, kidding. that's hilarious, though. Yeah, you know, I mean it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek phrase. I don't I haven't really talked about it much, but for a while, people it's- would be like, You're doing really good. Like, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm Dallas famous. Like, nobody knows who I am here, but right here, like, like they're like, Are you gonna shoot this show in this other city? I'm like, I have no. Uh, no, I'm not. That's, I'm a Dallas, I'm like a tethered to Dallas. But well, I, you
1: are an icon in Dallas, so. I, that's
0: an yeah. icon, I get it's like a pun, right? Oh, uh, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's just natural. I didn't uh, even do it funny. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, hey, well, thanks again. It was Thank great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again to William Flint for being my guest. Theme song, Unstoppable, by Celine Nuala. You can check out the Dallas Famous Podcast every Sunday and Tuesday at 1 p.m. on deepelumradio.com and then all the podcast places the following week. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.